Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. I am thrilled today to welcome Jake Rosenberg to the show. Jake, thank you so much for taking some time with us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you graduated from University of Pennsylvania with degrees in economics and math, and you've been a serial entrepreneur ever since. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, I worked really hard in high school, got into Penn, decided to take, you know, some of the harder things <laughs> you can study. And then I started a software company in college. So oh. I actually never had a real job. I never applied to anything. So I was thinking like, why did I bust my ass so hard to like get an econ and math degree? You know, they're nice. They help teach you how to think and logic and things. But yeah, I don't even open up my old textbooks. I don't even know what was in it. And so it's funny because I am a believer that, you know, education is really important. But like mm-hmm. the things you actually study are not necessarily helpful to starting your own business and that you can kind of do what you want with the University of YouTube is what I called it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in high school, I started tutoring kids. That was where I got the initial cash to do everything. Nice. College, I started a software company that it was like, social polling because Instagram had just kind of gotten popularized and Snapchat was new. So we had an app that lets you pull your friends as an easier way to communicate. And that turned into an e-commerce plugin. So you could ask your friends what to buy while shopping. And so that's kind of where the journey began. And yeah, raising money at 23 was like, oh, it turns out that like, if you just have good ideas and execute, people will be on board. So it kind of changed my opinion of the professional structure of, you know, needing to have worked in an industry for 20 years to do something. So I learned that at a young age that as long as you execute well, like you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Well, I, like you, am very much into education. I'm a college professor at USC, actually. But it's a funny thing of like, they want you to have certain credentials to be able to teach. But my credentials are my real life experience. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Do I want to go back and get more advanced degrees? Yes. But at the same time, I'm also just working and I'm applying this knowledge every day. Depends what field you're in. I mean, I studied economics and it's like, well, I'm not an economist. So like, was that (laughs) business? Like, not really. Hmm. The kids did Wharton. They studied finance, unbelievably practical for what they went and did. Me, I studied math and it was like, I don't know. I know how the like matrixy algebra of a search engine works, but that's helped me zero in life. So, (laughs) but it was also incredibly interesting and helps you look at the world a different way. But yeah, it just wasn't, you know, specific things I studied were not quite as practical. Yeah. Uh, I'll say that math Uh is a little out there. (laughs) So then we're going to switch a little bit because I really want to talk about your story to your, I guess, latest venture, the one that you're spending the most time in. Mm -hmm. And I think this is such an untapped market. So I'm just doing a little tease. I don't want to tell too much because I really want you to share what happened to you in 2019 and how you created your new company. And tell us a little bit about that, please. Sure. So, you know, they say like every good invention or whatever is born on necessity. And so it was necessity, but it was also, I was just very frustrated with the fact I had a ski accident in 2017. And if you see Mm. here, I don't really cover it anymore, but I have a scar on my nose because this game hit me, my nose open, the whole thing. So... I had to learn about skincare out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And there were some products out there that were all right. Just the A to Z experience of getting them was either you go to a doctor, you pay way too much, you try to get insurance to cover it, and they end up giving you something that you could have gotten over the counter. Mm. But it was Sephora and there's 9 million products and they're there to upsell you. And just as a guy, it's not an experience I want. It's like, no. you know, 
Guys, you want to get in and get done. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't want to have to guys, like, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of give it to like fantasy football. Like guys will look at statistics of baseball or football players, or basketball players for hours and hours and hours and hours because it's what they like to do. But like Sephora is built for girls who like to go and adventure and have new products and try mm. new things because it's a cultural part and it's a cultural thing. I call it like their sport. Mm. Like my girlfriend finds something new on TikTok, some snail mucin or some crazy thing. She goes to Sephora, she goes to Ulta, she like looks around. It's fun for her. For me, it was not. It was like, <laughs> and it was a huge barrier between me because you can't cover something on your nose. Mm. And I had to also pay a lot of attention to these specific ingredients. I had to avoid like 99% of products and chemicals that were wow. really like just poisonous, basically. I mean, oh my we gosh. Kind of know that and we hope that the brand we're getting. So I had to become a very, like, not just informed consumer, but like an expert in the field for myself. And through that, I realized it's not just guys who are lacking this. There's also just the unbelievable amount of misinformation out there. For instance, Elta MD is this brand that a lot of people like. And they have a couple ingredients in there and it's, you know, dermatologist approved or whatever. They have a couple ingredients in there that are a 10 out of 10 on the, like, do not put this on your face. They are carcinogen scale. Wow. It's like, yikes. Even these brands that are popularized by dermatologists are completely full of crap. So I just said from everything from A to Z, we'd like to redo it. I learned chemistry via YouTube and other things. And I made some base formulas and then worked with some formulators. And I just won't use any bad ingredients. My Mm -hmm. rule is I need to be able to use it on my scar. And so if I can't use it on my scar, we're not going to use it. And so that's kind of where Crete was born. Very cool. So you had the accident in 2017, you said? Yeah. And how long did it take you to perfect your formulas and actually decide, I want to launch this on the market, not just because I need it, but because there are probably other men who want to simplify their skincare, but want really high quality products. The reason I didn't start it right away is I had a shoe company at the time. And so I sold Hmm. that to my partner in 2019 and started Crete the next day because then I had, you know, funding (laughs) at the time and other things. So the actual perfecting of the formulas, it's interesting because... I was at my formulators yesterday and we're working on a facial cleanser and an eye stick and a couple other really cool things. And it's he and I sitting in a room with, I don't know, 5,000 chemicals that we can do. And the internet, we can search anything. We need a surfactant. There's anything in the world we can do. And it's funny because he and I can make better formulas that function better, that have a better experience. And like professional chemists at, you know, Procter & Gamble or these big places because of the incentives. I and he are incentivized to make the absolute best thing. We don't charge $2 for a product you know, products are $30, $40. So we have the ability to actually use the best ingredients. Mm-hmm. We're both engineering background, like have this weird pride about making something that functions incredibly well. Whereas someone in a lab, they're a nine to five employee, you know, the guy who invents the new face wash for Shiseido, he's not getting a piece of that. So he's right. not incentivized to make it amazingly well. We own our business. And so there's all these very funny little things that like, it's not rocket science. It's chemistry. It's like medium advanced chemistry, but it's not something you can't teach yourself. So like, I I don't have a background in chemistry. I completely taught myself by just going on chemist blogs and Reddit and places wow. like that and watching formulator videos on YouTube. So it's pretty interesting because like you can teach yourself to be kind of proficient. So for us yesterday, we probably made 30 to 40 formulas. The first 10 were like, what are we <laughs> doing here? We should retire. This is terrible. Oh, no. and then the next 10, it's like, oh, okay. One of us did something where the foaming of the facial cleanse is better. And we just kept making stuff. And towards the end of it, we probably get about 60 to 70% done a formula in one day. 
Nice. And so now it's his job to go and get that to fine tune. Yeah. And then we send it out to a bunch of people. They test it. They give us feedback. And we tweak final formulas. 1% or 1.1% of this. And so it's like guess and check with having the genuine intuition. Yeah. But, you know, anyone can do that for anything they do in business, whether it's whatever product you want. The real thing is just test it. Make stuff fast and test it. Yeah. So how many products did you start with when you launched the brand? One. One. Okay. (laughs) It's like a scar cream? It was a hydrating facial serum. It's a hyaluronic acid serum with apple stem cell extract. That I actually fully formulated myself. I made 200 formulas. It worked so well. And then we made the hydrating body serum. Those are the two we have now. We're launching concealer in a few weeks, Mm -hmm. which was actually the original reason I started the company. It was because going to Sephora, I was so embarrassed by concealer. Mm-hmm. And then even within that, was it like glossy or matte or long wear? Or <laughs> and I was like, I just don't know what these words mean. They had asked me if I wanted to beautify or contour. And I was like, uh, you know, I, like, I just, just want to cover. <laughs> Like, it's funny because I say that and girls know what those words mean and they laugh because they're like, oh, yeah, guys have no idea. Like, why would I want to contour? That's like where you make, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Like your cheekbones more prominent. The funny thing is, well, that's a whole other discussion, right? But like so many girls will contour so heavily, like their nose shape, everything. And then that's not what they really look like. Yeah. So yeah, you're not trying to create products that no, we're trying men to look different. You, than- <laughs> no, we're trying to let you look exactly as you're supposed to look. Yeah. So if you have like acne and you cover a couple pimples with concealer, that's actually how you're supposed to look. Yeah. You have dry skin patches, like I get very dry skin, you use our hydrating facial serum. The dry skin goes away. It's how you're supposed to look. We're not trying to have you essentially wear, you know, a costume. Right. Yeah. And that's why guys really like it. And then the other big part of the company is as our tagline is 30 second skincare. Essentially, yeah. our promise is that like any product you use of ours will take 30 seconds or less. There's no getting stuck in a bathroom. There's no like 15 product in a row regimens. It's just right. super easy. And so it wasn't that any individual thing we did was revolutionary. It was that we did like eight or nine things 30% better than everyone else, which compounds. You know, our packaging is nicer, more Instagrammable, our, our recyclable, we're Good. vegan and cruelty-free, we're clean, our formulas perform better. You, they, you have an experience the first time you use them. Our tagline lets you know you're not, you know, every little thing like that, you do it. It was intentional. Yeah, intentional and better. It doesn't even have to be 10x better. Right. It compounds. Yeah. And how did you market it? Your packaging is very Instagrammable. Did you start with like word of mouth? Did you do digital advertising? Like what were your tactics? We started with a couple of events just to see how people would use it and kind of get it out there. And then we went for Facebook and Instagram ads because Mm -hmm. I just happened to know based off my previous professional experience, I knew really good media buyers and editors and things like that. And I knew a full-time developer who wanted to come on board who would help us make our website like the best funnel. So that was the first A to Z funnel that we thought we could execute really effectively. And we were correct. And so after that, we launched Amazon, which we launched earlier this year. And that did really well. We got like 100 reviews in like seven, eight weeks. And Amazing. Because people like it. Yeah. Again, I just formulated the product to be literally as good as possible. Because then our job is kind of done once we get it in your hands. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to reconvince you to buy our product. The product itself is supposed to do that. Yeah. So I kind of viewed the formulas and the packaging as a form of marketing. It's just getting you to the second, third, fourth purchase. So we just launched Google ads, emails, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to do TikTok soon, probably start organic and influencers. 
We try to be very efficient and go channel by channel, get it dialed in, get it so that it's a profitable channel and then move on to the next one. Because, you know, when we started Google the first week, we're like guessing at keywords, you know, you're shooting right. dark yeah. and then you get a little more efficient after a couple of weeks. You're like, OK, this is looking pretty good. After a couple of months, it's probably doing really well. And then you don't have to give that investment anymore. It's self-sufficient and you can use that kind of initial inefficiency in another channel to get that going. Yeah. But that's a really important point. And that's something that we always recommend to people is you want to reserve your names on all the channels, but you don't need to start with oh, that yeah. each of them. Figure out where your base consumer is, start mm -hmm. there, get it like super solid, exactly what you're doing. Like that's what we advise when we're talking about marketing strategy to clients. It's like you've already know the whole playbook <laughs> from all of your experience. Also, is companies. your product or service like experiential? Is it results driven? We have a very visual product, right? Okay. I can show guys face before and after. It's like, <laughs> I don't really need to convince people that looking better is like, yeah. we all know that if I have a pimple or a dark circle and I get rid of it, it's better. So that's another thing. It's like other brands, if you're selling couches, I like... <laughs> it's, you have to figure out a different messaging, a different thing. And then that also is like, we're selling to guys. Guys are significantly less likely to get a thing, take a picture of it in a video and post it. Mm -hmm. Like there's a shower company called Jolie Co that I met the owner of. They get 5,000 videos posted a year of just like people unboxing their product. It's earned media. That's like their major reason why they exploded. Wow. We don't have that. We're discreet. We're telling guys, hey, you like put stuff on your face and you don't even need to tell anybody. <laughs> We're not going to try to go for word of mouth via guys posting on Instagram or TikTok. Mm -hmm. That's not going to work for our customer base. So you also have to understand the experience your customer is having for it. However, we do really well with dry skin, wrinkles, but like very, very problem focused ads convert for us incredibly well because again, we're a little more utilitarian. Right. You know, we're results driven. So you have to also understand the experience your customer is going to have with your product because mm -hmm. that can inform the place and style in which your marketing channels will work. Yeah, 100%. Wow. So did you encounter any hurdles besides having to spend a lot of time with the formularies? Because it sounds like it's that been was, a great ride. I will say, like, anything we can control the quality of without requiring other people's actions. <laughs> we do incredibly well because we can keep working on them until they're as good as possible. Mm -hmm. So formula, okay, it's an eight out of 10. Well, let's make it a 10. Let's make 20 more formulas tomorrow. Mm -hmm. and like a little more hyaluronic acid, a little less preservative, a little whatever. We can just do that. We have that control. The things that are hard are like making ads that we think are great. And then we run them and they're terrible. And making ads where we're like, this is stupid. And they're and they, and, the app, and, like, and they blow up <laughs> because we require other people to have a good or bad reaction to that and then execute and buy stuff. So the challenges to us is always, you know, we can make a gorgeous website, but we need you to come and like it. Right. We need your opinion on it. And so that's, I think, where we do well is that we really are data driven and mm -hmm. we're really like go and in the early stages of something, seek people's feedback. So we never build anything that's not already in the direction that people want. Like yeah. we've had ideas, we put them on the website, we've launched it. Within like eight hours, we have enough traffic to be like, wow, this was just not a good feature. <laughs> or wow, this is looking really good. Instead of doing that other thing, let's like do version two of of this. So yeah. that's another thing too. It's like when you require another person's opinion or action, 
And those are the kinds of constant grinds, right? You can always be improving those kinds of things. But yeah, our formulas, our packaging, what our label looks like, it was all not easy, but there's nothing standing between us and having a good looking label other than us. So yeah, we did a good job because we didn't get in our own way, I will say. Would you say that another target market is women who are buying products for the men in their lives? Like, has that been a good market yes. for you? That is a new thing we started this year. We started using some influencers, female influencers and couples a lot more about two, three months ago, and it's going pretty well. Females make about 80% of the purchasing decisions in any household. Mm -hmm. When it's boyfriend, girlfriend, it's not quite at that level yet because <laughs> people might not live together. But for skincare, almost always guys' first interactions with skincare in their lives is through their mom their girlfriend, their sister, their friends, something like that. Even maybe their daughter got them something for Father's Day. Yeah. <laughs> because women just know about it. It's just been a cultural thing. And guys not only don't know about it, so there's the educational intimidation factor, but there's the cultural like, what am I buying? I don't want to know. Yet, if you actually ask any guy, like, he loves using his girlfriend's like, rose <laughs> shampoo. Like, I don't know. You just don't want your friends knowing that you like that, you know? Oh, yeah. Listening to Taylor Swift without anyone knowing, like, most guys probably like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry, but they just, like, can't get caught listening to it. So we do <laughs> actually market to women to get it for guys because also, like, what do you get a guy in his 20s or 30s for a gift? Mm -hmm. Like, another bottle of scotch or more socks? Like, right. it's not really good gifts anymore. So skincare is, yeah. is a good Nice. And when you think about men's beauty opportunity or industry, not a lot of brands come to mind. So it's a mix of like, it's an untapped market for you, but also it's not a very well-known market. Yeah. Has so that been a, a challenge? Yeah. It is and it isn't because again, we don't really have to market like, hey, this is a growing industry. What we tell you is like, dude, do you want to look better? Like, do you want your dry skin to go away again? And that speaks pretty clearly. So to us, we just kind of contextualize it around results and tell guys like, you're already shaving, you're dressing well, spend money on a car or clothing or something like that. Like it's your face. Like why wouldn't you just take care of your face? Yeah. So we try to contextualize it around that and just kind of ignore everything else because, you know, we see some of our competitors and the competitors either want guys to be a little more feminine, like J beauty and K beauty, like Korean and mm. Japanese beauty, where guys are like doing full faces of makeup mm. or these places are going so hyper masculine, like calling themselves like war paint for men. And it's like, well, that's trying <laughs> so hard. You're like trying to convince me. Yeah. We're a different step. We're saying basically like health and wellness and like yeah. skin performance product. There is actually no gender in putting something on your face that gets takes away dry skin. It's so to go too masculine, too feminine. We didn't want to do any of that. We didn't even mm -hmm. want it like that. We just are like kind of about results and no BS and it taking 30 seconds. Yeah. So for us, it's funny because even when you say the beauty industry, which is the term for it, it's like the beauty industry that clearly doesn't care about guys because it's called the so we call it the handsomeness industry. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> even when I go to these conferences, it's like 80% women. And they usually say, well, why can't guys use NARS? Mm. It's like, well, they can. I did. The problem is the experience and education of me finding out about NARS was I had to have a ski accident. I had to walk into Sephora, hide in the back. I had to like try mm. 50 concealers. It was not a good experience for me to end up at NARS. So if NARS figured out a way to talk to guys the way they needed to be talked to, they might buy NARS, but doesn't look like they're going to do that anytime soon. So, yeah. Yeah. Do that. 
Wow, that's so interesting. So you're about to launch your third product. Are your products available? You said Amazon to your storefront. Are you looking at big box retailers as part of your strategy or staying away from that? Really, we will be eventually. And there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is like, I just don't think that guys want to buy like, you know, a $39 serum at retail yet. Right. We don't have the ability to communicate the brand message and our values to them. If they were just at a store and said, oh, that looks nice. And then they look at the price tag, they'll probably go shit and like not buy it. So the second is which retailer do we go to? I know I have a lot of retail connections, but the point is like CVS is probably we're too high of a price point for that. Do we go to like, I was about to say Barney's, but Barney's closed years ago. <laughs> now, like a Macy's or a Bloomingdale's. Do we go there? Are people even going to buy skincare at those places or guys? So we want to know when we're doing retail, which ones those are. And then also there's shelf space with two to three products. We're not going to take up enough mm-hmm. horizontal space. And so I've heavily looked into retail and it's something that when we have five, six products, and we're a little more of a household name. Mm-hmm. Now, it's funny because a lot of guys my age know what Creed is, but we want to expand beyond that and have kind of everyone know what we are. So that way there's recognition when you walk in the store and we take up space. That's when retail starts working. Nice. And because you had software company, you've had a shoe company. I'm sure there are other businesses that we haven't talked about along the way. Skincare now, do you think you're going to stay in this lane or are you seeing other offshoots of this company that you want to do in the future? You know, there's always the ability to jump to new things, but there's something to be said about staying in one industry. I know all the people now, <laughs> I know the formulators, I know the FDA's regulations up and down. Mm-hmm. Like, If you took Creed away from me today and said, rebuild it back to where it is, it would take me a year, not four, you know, to get exactly right back to where we are. Maybe less because, you know, I know everything, not mm-hmm. everything, sorry. I know everything <laughs> about Creed. Right. And so, yeah, like the shoe industry was a completely different type of marketing. It was hype-based marketing and pop-ups and things like that. Different manufacturing. There was no chemistry involved, different margins. At the end of the day, it still was manufacturing a physical product, shipping and sales, marketing funnels. So it was you know, 70% a similar business. But the nuances of the skincare and beauty world, and if we decide to go into supplements, I could see easily doing a number of other companies or things like that in this for the next 10 to 20 years. It's also a very interesting and fascinating industry. The product you make is a lot more dynamic than other businesses. Like You get to make interesting chemistry products that do right. whatever you want. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. It's a different way of being creative than... Yeah. Yeah. You get to design packaging. The product design stuff is actually like a sport to me. I love it. It's like one of my favorite parts. So the other stuff that's annoying, you know, the <laughs> constant chasing down of influencers who were supposed to post last week and didn't, they post and they use a song that you didn't have the copyright to. Ah. All those nuanced things that are annoying that I try to get other people to do at this point. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So what else? How do we purchase Crete? So you can go to Crete.club, K-R-E-T-E dot C-L-U-B okay. or Amazon. Honestly, like our Amazon just... We knew it was going to do well. Mm-hmm. In the first eight weeks, we got like 60, 70 reviews and they were 4.5 star average. And now that's, we're over 100. Yeah, and that's had, amazing. I'm not kidding. In four months, I think it's something like three or four returns total and thousands of wow. sales. Like normally in skincare, it's like a 5 to 10% return rate. And we have like a 0.02, something mm-hmm. like that. It's crazy. Our Amazon people have like, we've never seen no returns. Like, cause everyone just buys stuff and returns it on Amazon Prime. I do that. I buy like a couple of costumes for Halloween and like return or whatever it is, right? <laughs> you, know, you buy two of a thing and then you return the one you don't like. We're just not getting returns. So Amazon has been the greatest thing for us. So go to Amazon because, you know, works for us. 
Fantastic. And then what about your social media handles? It's all at Crete, K-R-E-T-E dot C-L-U-B. I will say this, we're not super active on it. We mm. did a bunch of stuff. We posted last year on Instagram and TikTok. It was getting us followers. It wasn't really getting us conversions. Again, yeah. community building is an important thing for certain kinds of brands, certain kinds of products. We found that to put that same time and effort into just generating content and doing paid social, the, the ROI mm. on that is significantly higher for us. Wow. So we kind of like, honestly, follow us if you want. But <laughs> it's not really worth it. You're not going to get some good memes. I want to do more memes in the future for us because that's <laughs> spread. But no, I'm honest about what we do well. Our formulas are where we put our energy and not our like. Yeah. But it sounds like they're speaking for themselves. So that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. That's why we go so hard on, on the things we can control. Like I said. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Jake, do you have a favorite quote or mantra or words that you live by? Yeah, there's something that my developer said like a month ago that was really funny. He said that I expect, and everyone on the team expects, accountability for all things all the time. And I was like, oh, that's kind of nails it. You know, everything's always about the people you work with mm -hmm. is what I really believe in. And so we hire very slowly and hire quickly. I mean, we yeah. haven't had to fire many people because we don't hire people who aren't great. <laughs> and just everyone takes accountability for their work. So my developer will find problems and solve them and tell me about the problems he solved as opposed to putting it off to someone else. And then the other thing I kind of live by is you can only expect what you inspect. Oh, yeah. As a manager, just I have to be at least minorly informed of the job everyone is doing. Mm -hmm. If I hire a designer, I have to know something about design principles. Mm -hmm. For an email marketer, I have to watch at least one or two 20-minute videos on like what email funnels and automations are. Or yeah. else, how am I even going to judge if this person is doing a job well? But also, how can I empower that person to have the resources to do the job well if mm -hmm. I don't, if I'm just totally ignorant? So University of YouTube has let me know, you know, some things I went obviously way bigger than a normal founder does, like setting up a lab in my apartment and formulating things myself is a little right. atypical. But other things like email stuff, hire a good person, but I ask him questions and I make sure I know what he's doing so that I can help him do his job well, which helps me. My yeah, job. absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, is there anything that we left out that you really want to share with the audience today? It's not easy, but the good moments are climbing Mount Everest. It's like when you get to the top, it's great. Then you see another Mount Everest. And so it's constantly <laughs> an up and down. But if you have determination and do things intelligently and keep working and just don't quit, like you can do whatever you want. And I, you know, it's not like kind of vague Gary V advice. It's like I've seen people with almost no resources build incredible things because they just said, well, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. So fantastic advice about things. Yeah. You're very refreshing. I love your attitude. I think it's a big part of why you're successful and while you will continue to be successful yeah. in everything that you do. And you can just really see that authenticity comes through. So I am looking forward to checking out Crete for some of the men in my life. And Jake, thanks so much for taking some time with me today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And to the audience, I hope you really enjoyed this brand spotlight on Crete, K-R-E-T-E. .club to check it out. Check out them out on Amazon. We'll also have all this information in the show notes and I'll be back again in a few days with another amazing story. Want more? Check out amplifywithannica.com or follow me on socials at amplifywithannica.com.